What's up team and welcome back to What the F45 podcast and today we are covering why am I not changing or how come I'm not seeing the results I expected to by now. We go over some of the most common pitfalls that most of us encounter during our health and fitness journeys. Hopefully this list provides you with enough knowledge to prevent you ever having to experience more than one of these on this list. So without further ado, here's the episode. Hey, what's up team? Hope you guys are having a great day wherever you are in the world listening to this. We're very excited about today's podcast. It is one of our favorite times of year because it happens to be one of the most lamest times of year. We're just getting off our holiday or sorry, our summer party season. The vacations are behind us. We worked so hard all spring to get our body in tip top shape. And then we went out and had fun with it all summer. And now it's that back to school feeling where we're saying, Hey, Let's focus and dial in on our fitness. And by the way, Thanksgiving's coming up if you're in Canada, and Christmas is coming up, and we know what that means. Uh, the stat is you can put on a pound per year, at least North Americans, over the holiday season. So we're already thinking, how do I mitigate that? And by the way, this must be the least distracting time of year as well, because outside of the Blue Jays making the playoffs, there's not much going on but the rent. So pretty boring time, great time to focus on your fitness. And when it comes to challenges, we have just finished our six-week challenge and less than three weeks away we're going to be starting our eight-week challenge so there's very little time in between and that's a good thing because people can compete whenever they feel like it as frequently as as they'd like Uh, and some people might have done this last one and might also be thinking of doing the eight-week challenge so we have a lot of tips for you if this one didn't go exactly to plan or if there's some things that maybe you know you could improve on and if you haven't done a challenge in a little while Uh, or maybe it's been a long time, then you might want to have a little bit of a refresher. So we've been doing this for four years. In fact, we just hit our four-year anniversary. And long before that, Andy and I were personal trainers. And so were our team of 12 trainers that we have right now doing this for many, many years. So when you combine us all together, we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of stories of clients that we've worked with over the years and seen, and we've learned a thing or two about what works and what doesn't work. And we're always continuing to evaluate the science and, and see what you know the latest and greatest information is and how it all integrates together. So what we're going to leave you with today are some of the reasons you might not be achieving your goals. Now, remember, it one of these may be more dominant than the other, but oftentimes it's a combination of things. It's not one magic bullet. We are integrated human beings. So that being said, let's jump right into it. So the first thing, why might I not be achieving what I set out to achieve during an eight-week challenge or during my fitness journey? Your goals aren't realistic. So what do I mean by that? Well, we may be imagining something or writing something down on the whiteboard in our journal and saying, this is what I'm going to achieve in eight weeks. But you may be setting yourself up for success. It may not be a smart goal. And what do I mean by that? In eight weeks, is losing 30 pounds, as an example, realistic? Absolutely not. When we think about weight loss, healthy weight loss is one to two pounds per week. And if you think about what that means over eight weeks, that's eight to 16 pounds. Yeah, so I think that sometimes people can be confused, especially in that first week, if you happen to lose more in that first week, and they think that, oh, I hope I'm always losing three to four pounds each week, it could very well be just water, um, you know, reducing inflammation, things like that. But typically, you want to be around a sweet spot of one to two pounds per week so that you're not impacting your muscle mass. Because if you do go too fast consistently, you're definitely going to be losing muscle mass. The crazy thing is, when we are adding muscle to our body, we're actually making our metabolism inefficient. I know that sounds crazy, but think about it. Muscle is the most, as we've talked about on here several times, muscle is the most metabolically active tissue in our body. It takes a lot of calorie currency to keep the muscle sustained, if not growing, which is even has a higher energy requirement. So when we start restricting calories and we do so in a way that we're losing greater than two pounds a week, even one pound a week sometimes, we're naturally going to lose, your body goes into breakdown catabolic mode and it tries to get rid of the muscle because that's expensive tissue and we need to preserve calories. That's sort of how we evolved over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I think it's also important to remember that, you know, if you just came off of a six week challenge and you lost five pounds and it seems like, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. It's exactly where pretty much that one pound per week, you maybe had a buffer week that maybe didn't go perfectly because nobody has a perfect six weeks or perfect eight weeks. There's always one or two weeks that really throw us off. So 
don't think that, oh, I'm supposed to at least hit that two pound threshold or you have those high expectations or people like to reduce their calories as quickly as possible. All of these things to try to get to that goal faster. It isn't necessarily going to to be sustainable and you're not going to enjoy yourself and you're probably going to fall off. And as we always say, within most of our challenges, people fall off around week three and week five, um, especially in an eight week challenges, three and five are those most popular weeks. So knowing that just have realistic goals, use those smart goals and think about what is realistic in, a, in your first challenge and that time frame. Yeah, I mean, I often hear the reward is in the journey. And if we nail this, if we get it right as a community, as an individual going through this journey, this becomes who you are. This is not an act you're doing for eight weeks to get to some destination and then who knows what. If you're doing it right, and as Andy said, in a sustainable way, you are developing habits. And that's actually part of your goal setting is developing these habits, these ways of doing things, these ways of waking up in the morning, training, recovering, sleeping, that will actually in the long run, if you think about this sort of like investing, compound interest, right? You have a dollar, you add an interest rate to it. Over time, that grows these habits are doing the same for your body and serving you over time versus an eight-week unrealistic goal. All right. You have the athlete mindset. What the heck do I mean by that? A lot of us on these fitness journeys are current and old or ex-athletes, meaning we played a varsity sport, we still play sports very aggressively, and we often have the fallacy of associating sport with health. When you look at Rafael Nadal, when you look at professional hockey players, you say that's healthy. Reality is that doesn't exactly equate to health. When you think, yeah, not I would just, say that he doesn't look his age <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah, when you think he's talking about tennis players, tennis players always look older. We just saw one actually on a plane recently, and we couldn't believe in person she actually looked a lot younger. That's when true. you see them on TV, they just look five. Yeah, six, when seven they've years been older. playing like back to back to back to back matches, they they look a little weathered. They're uh, not uh, looking looking like spry. <laughs> so think about like a pitcher in baseball, right? I mean, these guys are trying to you know 10, 15 years maybe maybe get everything they can out of their shoulder. But when they walk away from the sport, I mean, they've done everything they can to kind of keep it mobile and keep it healthy. But reality is they often need surgery. They often have shoulder limitations later. And if you're training that way, if you're thinking, I need to bring it like Rafa brings it or bring it like, you know, Lance Armstrong, maybe bad example, but <laughs> you got, you know, the best triathlon person in the world, whoever mm -hmm. that is, who I don't really follow that. But, you know, when you think about these folks, it's okay to go and have a performance goal, but understand that that doesn't quite translate to health as sort of we define it in the fitness industry, right? Which is that center of ideal body weight, ideal body fat, comp body fat composition percentage, um, recoverability, uh, you know, being able to get into a parasympathetic state, not always being in that sympathetic fight or flight state. These things aren't part and parcel with being an athlete. So as you come into this fitness journey, it's okay to be an athlete. It's okay to like sports and have that, but just understand the difference between high performance athlete and longevity, vitality, quality of life. So what does that look like for an F45er or is that somebody who is playing a sport on the outside as well as coming in and coming in six days a week and just overdoing it? Or is that somebody who's doubling up on cardio days or, you know, just like go, 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 more is better kind of thing? Yeah, I think it's a great point, Andy. I mean, we're seeing a ton of that type of mindset in the gym uh, alone at F45. I don't know what some of our members are doing outside. I mean, I do what some know what some of them are doing, 17-hour training weeks uh, outside of F45 mm -hmm. uh, in their sport. Um you know, and these guys are making the trade-off. They understand, you know, as performance athletes that, you know, it is, it's hard on their body, right? But I mean, I think a lot of people will come in and think, oh, more is better. I need to out-train a bad diet or all that matters. And we'll get into the next point naturally as we go through this. But all that matters is my energy balance day in, day out. While it is true that over time, burning as much as we're taking in or burning more than we're taking in, which will lead to weight loss. Uh, and in the former example, maintenance, it is a calculation. It is relevant, but there's more to it than that. And we can't really, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, come in and crush it like an athlete without any recovery, doing doubles, not really worrying about sleep and think that our body is going to show up for us and institute the changes like adding muscle that will allow us to be inefficient with our calorie usage. That goes right into the next point, actually, that the goals are not aligned or you're you're not 
acting out with the the goals that you said you have set. So let's say, yeah, I really want to put muscle on this challenge that you're doubling up on cardio days or you're a person who doesn't take rest days and you love F45 so much, you're coming seven days a week. But if your prior, if your priority is building muscle, obviously your actions are not lining up with that priority. Exactly. Yeah, because to build muscle, you need to be in a caloric surplus and a build mode. And sometimes with that, depending on how much of a surplus, you can add some body fat as you're adding that that muscle because you need to be in a surplus. It mm-hmm. takes a lot. Like I said, it's a, it's a very energy inefficient tissue. And so we need an abundance. I'm not talking about seven Big Macs. I'm not talking about 2,000 calories over. I'm talking two to 500 calories in excess Max. of your BMR per day. But still, you need to be in the excess. And if you're training like a fiend, I always use myself as an example because I'm a perfect example. I play tennis four to five times a week for two hours a day. Still has a problem. I, <laughs> I strength train <laughs> for at least four sessions a week, two out of 45, two at home on my own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you, and, I, and I'm, I'm walking easily well over 10K a day. So I had when, to convince him to reduce his cardio at <laughs> F45 because I, I knew he was getting more than enough cardio or endurance or that, tor- that type of caloric burn was already happening. He didn't need to be overdoing it with both. And tennis is his passion right now. So you do have to make a choice. I've actually backed off my training volume. I'm doing two sets versus like three or four. I'm not going for PBs in the gym. I'm, I have a maintenance mindset. Mm-hmm. F- rewind about six months ago, I was beating myself up. I was saying, well, why am I not adding muscle? I mean, I knew why. If you sat me down and said, hey, Justin, why aren't you? And I could walk you through it. But emotionally, like, and I'm sure many of you are feeling this, emotionally, I was saying, man, I've been doing this for 22 years. I'm not getting any bigger. I'm not getting. Why do you think that is? Because you're in a deficit pretty much every day with all this crazy cardiovascular activity you're doing, plus your sleep probably could be better, which mm-hmm. we'll get into shortly. Mm-hmm. And so now I approach it in a more healthy, from a more healthy mindset. I understand the situation and it's really about recovering so I can go out there and enjoy my sport. And you know, that's another thing, right? So some people might say, well, Justin, I like being an F45 seven days a week. That's great. If you're recovering and you're not getting injured and you're happy, that's amazing. But if at the same time, juxtaposition with that, you're saying, man, I'm unhappy about my results. I love being there and I'm happy emotionally. I want that for you. Yeah. But I'm really emotionally unhappy about my results. We or have you're to confused. sort of pick a Maybe camp. Maybe even not unhappy. Maybe you're just confused. And, right. you know, we do talk about this a lot. But, you know, I think they say we're only with you guys for 3% of your day when it comes to that 45 minutes. Right. It's totally up to you how you spend the rest of the 97%, including your sleep, your recovery, obviously how you're eating, your nutrition at home. Um, all of those things have a huge factor in your results. And coming to the gym, we're not trying to say that it's not worth yeah. as much. It seems like 3%. It's only worth 3%. It's still a third, right? As we always say, it's training, nutrition, and recovery. So those other two pieces are actually a majority of the time spent uh, going towards your goal. So you really have to dial in the sleep recovery and nutrition when you're not around us. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're not sleeping enough. We talked about that a little bit, right? So sleep is very important for you know our REM sleep and our deep sleep, sort of clear out the brain, allow us to sort of reset mentally every day and nourish the brain with the the chemicals it needs to be healthy and thriving and and restored and restoring our memory and um, compounding memories and just essentially growing this and increasing the synapses within our brain to allow us to become smarter. And they say it goes through like a little washing cycle. Like yeah. I always think of I'm it. I'm at a loss for like... words. It's been a long day, but I think you guys are picking up on our button now. It's <laughs> yeah. good for your brain. Yeah, it's absolutely. But You're I always envision this good like, stuff. you know, like suds, like, and it's like, you know, like a cycle through the laundry is happening in your I'm brain. I'm thinking like little like cartoon, like Gumby's like scrubbing your brain with toothbrushes. <laughs> yeah. So, but what you need to remember or know is that if you eat too close to bed or if you're up really late watching TV, you're impacting the melatonin melatonin production, you will not be able to go into those sleep states, deep and REM, when you were supposed to, when your body's supposed to be recovering. It's going to be too busy either completely. Yeah, it's going to be digesting if you ate too close to bed or maybe it's completely aroused. Even though that you have fallen asleep, you can actually still be quite aroused where you could look on uh, your Fitbit or or a ring, whatever you use to track your sleep, and you would see, oh man, I'm getting like no deep or I'm getting no REM, whatever one or both, and 
you felt like you went to sleep right away. So it's quality over quantity as always. So if you're not doing little things to change those habits, at least some days of the week, because people always think, oh, you mean I can't watch TV ever again if I want to be seeing those results? No, of course you can. But you know, have some rules or routines in place on certain days of the week so you can at least get you know partially wait there maybe it's only like we try to say and doesn't always happen only monday to thursdays you know that we would watch some tv or you know have opposite that of that opposite of that hmm? friday to sunday oh sorry yeah that's <laughs> monday to thursdays we don't watch tv is what i meant and then friday onwards into the weekend we would watch tv um we have been good at that before but it ebbs and flows nobody's perfect but see what works for you because eventually it really will make a huge difference yeah, one of our strategies, we're doing it right now. When we come upstairs and like play with Bowie and we take our vitamins, so that's like a big thing. Some people say brushing your teeth early. I like taking my vitamins. When I take my nighttime vitamins, my magnesium and everything, I'm, I'm pretty much tapping out for the night. Mm-hmm. And if I can come upstairs and read and get off of the main floor near the fridge, that's a behavior that really helps. <laughs> it's like fridge, couch, all like and TV all close together. Recipe for disaster. But like Andy said, we talked a lot about the brain, but also your muscles. So if you're digesting your food, if you're aroused, you're not getting in that deep sleep, your muscles are not recovering. What we do in the gym is a stimulus that gives our body a signal to metabolize proteins, right? But if we don't recover and we don't fuel, then it doesn't happen. And that brings me to the next point. You might not be eating enough. So this really, I'm speaking to two people here. I'm speaking to the people that are saying, I can't add muscle. I want to. Why is it not happening? Probably because we're not in a caloric surplus and we're not providing ourselves with enough protein which we'll get into later to go and build muscle the other people i'm speaking to are the people who want to lose weight and they're saying man like i'm down to like a thousand calories why am i not losing weight faster because your body's smart and it's thrifty with its calories and it's saying i need to over time continuously slow my metabolism so that i can preserve the nutrients i need to thrive and to survive at that point and, um, you know, this is why we t- we're seeing a lot of research around this idea of reverse dieting, this idea yeah. of how can I consume as many calories as possible without adding any excess body weight. Over time, slowly increasing our caloric intake week over week, we teach your body that, hey, it's okay, you're not going to starve, you can be a little more inefficient, and we actually give ourselves some breathing room in doing that. So if I want to go have a Sunday one night or we're having a big weekend, we've actually built that kind of caloric, that that metabolic flexibility is the word, right? Yeah, I think, I know, and I'm not going to just single women out, but I know a majority of women might be listening to that and thinking, well, I mean, what, you want me to just start eating more food and hopefully that's going to heal my metabolism and I'll be able to eat more food afterwards. I'm just going to gain weight and then I'm going to have to work it off. Like, how is that supposed to help? But honestly, when done properly, it doesn't mean a free for all. It doesn't mean start eating double the amount of calories that you're eating now. But if you're a person who's tracked calories and you know that I can't eat any more than 1200 calories without gaining weight, you are definitely in a position for reverse dieting that would be very beneficial for you because you shouldn't have to be in those lowest ranges and be afraid of eating an extra 100 calories and seeing it immediately. That is a sign of a broken sort of metabolism. I mean, it's not broken. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Right, You've, it's taught it. You've taught it to do that. So if you have been a chronic dieter, that is where you know, it's going to take some time to heal it, but you don't want to be in a position where all you can do is eat less and move more because your body's going to be like, wow, we cannot keep this up. I have to lower my metabolism. Otherwise we're going to die. <laughs> like and that was it's actually, always afraid of, of death. <laughs> I love the way you said that. Cause it made me think of a later point we have on our list here, which is, and it sort of relates to the athlete mindset. We've already sort of crossed into this, but said differently, you're using hard workouts and doubles as a strategy for weight loss, meaning on it, and I already said this in the intro, but you're using this daily caloric energy and energy out as your sole strategy for weight loss. And the reality is the body keeps the score over time and it really you know, begins to make those metabolic shifts Andy's talking about, right? And so again, going back to the investment analogy, we need to think, where do I want to be two years from now? 
And what's my journey to get there versus, Mm -hmm. oh, I had 2,000 calories today. I have to burn 3,000. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's a great way to maintain, but also if you're not able to eat a lot of food and you're doing that, like let's say for instance, we're okay with maintaining where we're at right now, Justin and I, we're probably in, in and around the ranges of we burn exactly what we're eating on average because we fluctuate around the same couple of pounds up or down. That's your typical maintenance range, no more than three to four up or down. But if you are feeling like deprived of a lot of food, you're feeling lethargic, you're not recovering, you're not building muscle uh, challenge over challenge, and you're basically staying within the same, you know, could it be anywhere from five to 20 pounds that you keep fluctuating through? That is a sign that you probably need to either start working with somebody one-on-one doing a proper reverse diet and or checking your hormones and seeing a naturopath and doing some blood work. Because if you've been in that state, a chronic state for quite some time. Not moving. Yeah. Obviously, there's an underlying issue that that diet and training is not going to solve. And, and you don't want to be pushing yourself into a place where, like I said, all you'll be able to do is eat less and move more. Love that. Love that. Very simply put. Okay, let's let's change the script now. You're eating too much. And people are like, what? Like, <laughs> where am I, what am I supposed to do? I'm not eating yeah, enough know, and now like, I'm eating too much. What do, you, what do you guys want? No, we're, we're speaking to different people with different challenges, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're doing both of these things at the same time. I'm saying you could be doing one or the other and they could be having similar effects on you, which seems crazy, but just, just stay with us. So this is the most fundamental and easy to understand. And I'm not discouraging people to eat, right? Because of what you just heard, but... If we are chronically eating more than we're burning in a day, absolutely over time, you're going to you're going to add weight. Even with healthy food, guys. Right. Exactly. And we always <laughs> say vegan, it's great and we support our vegans, but at the same time vegan doesn't equal healthy and that's a trend that we've seen for like the last it's starting to change or a little bit. Keto doesn't equal healthy. It doesn't matter what right. it is. Or, or carnivore doesn't equal healthy. Like it, it's fair to say all these things. It it really is about balance. But anyways, back to what I what I was saying, um our bodies pretty intelligent as we've been going over and and there you've heard this idea of set point and when we think about reverse dieting and slowly adding more nutrients more nutrients more nutrients what we're doing is we're saying how many calories can i get in on an average basis daily basis without getting away from my set point right because there's this range and you talked about three to four pounds but also probably up four down 500 calories whatever it is but if you're eating more than that chronically and you continue to overconsume, or when Andy talked about this earlier, you look at a week as like a seven day cycle and you have like, you're like, oh, I'm good, I'm good Monday to Friday, but then I just totally yard sale it on the weekends. When you average that out yard over seven sale. days and you average that over 28 days and you average that over six months and you think about what was your caloric surplus? What was it, Andy? 3,500 calories equals a pound of fat? Yeah, about. Right? So when you think about that, if you're like, wow, over six months I was know 70,000 calories in surplus that's like 20 pounds of fat mm-hmm. I hope I did that math right I just did it really <laughs> yeah. quickly. people will trust you um but I think you know we've talked about the weekend warrior in a different way where um that that phrase is used interchangeably it's like the person who only works out on the weekends but also is like you know eating all of the things and drinking all of the things on the weekends um and sometimes we all look forward to that right we're really good during the week we seem to have a handle on everything maybe apart from a little bit of snacking and then on weekends we kind of go off the rails this is very very common i hear this all the time with my clients and you would not believe how informative it is to track your calories or your macros on any sort of app on the weekends and people are like what i don't want to do that i don't want to know what the chips you know equated to i don't want to know what the cheesecake is worth like no you do because honestly sometimes it's not as bad as you think and even it might make you or it might have you make a different decision uh based at that very moment you might be like you know what yeah if i just take a couple handfuls of chips way better than destroying the whole bag and i'm actually pretty satisfied so it's not about you know oh i'm never going to be able to eat anything unhealthy again without thinking about it i don't want anyone to obsess but i think it's very informative to know and it's about that right conversation with it too right so as you look at that cheesecake you say i don't want this right now because i'm aware of what it is and there's going to be a time you say i do want this need and can't those are bad words we want to get those out of our vernacular we don't want to say i can't have this you can have it go ahead and have it but like anything in life understand the trade-offs and understand the trade-offs over time right and so you know beyond eating too much if we're if we're sort of having those unhealthy behaviors of binging over and over and by the way remember the audience we're talking to right now in general it's not great to binge 
chronically, right? In general, this is for everybody. But the audience that we're talking to right now, the folks that are looking in the, like looking at, I'll say looking in the mirror, but just sitting there pondering, I'm not changing. Why? Mm-hmm. So we're giving you some reasons why this could be, right? This is who we're speaking to right now. We're not saying don't have fun on the weekends. We're saying if your number one goal is a body transformation for your health, for your happiness, lean into these tips we're giving you, right? And, and evaluate. So the other thing that can happen, two things we'll talk about. So Andy talked about tracking. A lot of you, a lot of people are tracking and they're still gaining weight. They say, what's going on? Maybe you've got the formula wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need a tutorial on the app you're using. So I like to use an app called MyNet Diary, right? And Andy used to always criticize and say, Justin, why are you using that app? Because there's a setting in there that says, you know, if you've done X workouts, like if I played tennis and that, it's basically saying, hey, Justin, you've burned 3,500 calories. Therefore, you can have your BMR plus 3,500 calories. Now I'm trying to nail 6,000 calories and I'm just like, oh, another Sunday, another farcical. Let's go, let's go. (laughs) It's a hall pass. Or the other thing I did incorrectly and a lot of people do is they say, well, I'm an active person because I do F45 every day. But no, are you active? Or you active for 45 minutes. Or what it says is like very active. Right. And then like the one below, that's the one below an athlete. And it's like, do you really think you're only just one step below an athlete that trains eight hours a day sometimes? If you're like, not a construction worker, you even know? if you have a stand-up desk, let yeah, me tell you, you you're not that be active. realistic about those settings on there and give it some time to get, that you'll get to know the app and that the app will get to know you. So that let's say you started at moderate and, you know, whether it has a lifestyle and also your exercise, usually they ask you two different things. Like how active is your lifestyle? Like, is are you active for your job or are you sedentary? And then do you work out how many times per week? And then try that out first, see where your maintenance calories lie and then you know, have a week or two and see, do you stay around the same weight and then go from there? Everybody's so quick to want to get low in their calories and see the results quickly, but they don't really know where their maintenance was. So that's always my biggest tip. I've know I've talked about that a lot. And then we have the issue with uh, typically MyFitnessPal and MyNetDiary. I don't know about some other ones. Of course, we love Avatar. It does not do this because it doesn't, um, talk to your apps, but it will add calories back in. And we actually just had someone tell us this, this past challenge. She didn't realize that that wasn't something she was not supposed to do. So she noticed that the calories were being added on from her workout. So let's say, you know, even from the Fitbit, it's a little bit more conservative um, than maybe what the calories say on our lion hearts at F45. But let's say, you know, okay, you burnt 400 calories uh, at today's workout. So you, it'll just add that back into your total. And then you eat that total, you're basically going to be maintaining. I mean, how else would you not be maintaining if you're eating back the calories that you just burnt off? Other than moving more throughout the day with your steps, you're really going to be staying basically where you are. And you might make a little bit of change just by virtue of eating healthier and building a little bit more muscle mass throughout. You might start to see a little bit of a difference, but it's certainly not going to move the needle in the long run. Love it. Love it. All right. Here's the next one. And this is beating a broken record drum over here is you're not getting enough protein, right? So our, we know from the research that 0.8 grams is sort of the minimal, um, amount for optimizing, uh, muscle maintenance. Yeah. 0.8 grams per pound. Right. Um, We recommend anywhere from one to 1.5, because the studies show no adverse effects, almost up to three grams and good luck eating three grams of protein per pound of body weight. You're not going to be able to do it. (laughs) People can barely eat what they, she wants to come cuddle. You can hear Bowie whining in the background. If you can hear her get suggested there. Yeah. So so anyways, you know, protein serves a lot of functions beyond biochemically what's happening in the body to help us build muscle, which we talk about at nauseum. It helps you crowd out your plate. Uh, it is more, it takes more energy to break down and metabolize protein, which gives you this uh, thermic effect of food breakdown, which is a nice way to burn some extra, extra calories. calories yeah. um, it leaves us feeling full. Okay. So that's an amazing uh, attribute of protein. And and so when we start thinking about protein and, and, you know, the benefit it can add to our diet, you know, we start thinking about principles, right? And, and one of the rules that I'm trying to institute, which is a really good one, is if I'm going to have a carb or I'm going to have a meal or I'm going to kick off my day after my overnight fast, I'm leading with protein. This is a really, really good rule that everyone can implement. If you can get that right, you can actually break your fast 
um, in an expert way and that sets your body up for success energetically all day long. You can have that feeling of satiety in every meal. And even beyond leading with protein or having protein every meal, finish the protein part of your meal before mm-hmm. moving on. And maybe you'll find that, hey, I don't actually want those carbs. Or I'm not, you know, protein, then veggies, and then eventually I'll get to the rice. You probably end up being half the rice. Right. And I think a big piece of that, honestly, is... If you, most people are like, yeah, I'm, I have some protein at my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but snacks is huge too. And if you're snacking mostly on fruit in as much as you think that that's healthy, um, are you hungry really soon after that? And then are you still missing your, like, let's say you're only getting and or you're, you know, the average and what we recommend is a 30 gram protein per main meal. Um, I say anywhere between 30 and 50, but most people struggle to hit that 30 gram. And there's a digestibility factor. Some people are uncomfortable with that. I can hit up like 70 grams and feel fine digestively right so know yourself know your body you might need to break down the amount of protein that you need per day into five or six meals meaning most of those are going to be smaller snacks like you know greek yogurt with berries or something like that another shake adding another quick shake so it's not a you know your stomach isn't completely full all the time but if your snacks are mostly well i brought an apple i got some grapes or you know i had some like low calorie low carb like rice cakes or something like that all in theory are healthier versions than grabbing a Snickers or a bag of chips, mm. um, it's still, you're not helping hit your your protein goal and you're filling up on carbohydrates or fats that, again, not I'm de- not demonizing either of those. It's just if we don't pair protein with our snacks, it's going to be very, very hard to hit those goals. And honestly, you're going to feel fuller for longer if you do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not to mention the energy drops, right? So just like when we're sleep deprived, uh, our body begins to play tricks on us and we go uh, energy seeking and we seek out those carbohydrates and we're looking for that like sugar fix, right? So we need to sort of hack that by leading with protein. I think the biggest issue is that snacks are not inherently high in protein. So you do have to work at doing this. Usually you have to put it together, meaning it's going to take you at least five minutes in the kitchen or prepping to bring it with you. It's certainly not prepackaged in a bag or sometimes it's a protein bar, but honestly, we all know that we can overdo it with protein bars and we love Daryl's bars. We've recommended them for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people eat them moderately, but then some people like, oh yeah, I kind of went through a bout of eating like three a day, helped you hit your protein goal, but it's still not the best option calorically in the long run. Mm -hmm. And because they're so high in fiber, if you don't drink enough water with those, you can actually start to feel a little bit of your gut feeling a bit, uh, a little bit of gut rot, right? So if we eat more fiber, we absolutely need to eat or drink more water so that we can help things move along. So Long story short, have items in your pantry that are at least quicker go-tos for protein. My favorites would be Greek yogurt, cottage cheese. I personally love dry... protein. uh, Powdered peanut butter is a good one. Yeah. I personally love the dry-pressed cottage cheese. Um, If you don't like the creamier version, there is something called dry-pressed. So it's much more crumbly. You can put it in almost anything on salads and eggs and uh, uh, soups. I put it in soups as well to add more protein to a soup. Uh, And then having like either canned tuna or um, pre-cooked ground meats in the fridge, whatever you can do to have more things like that on hand to throw into your snacks uh, or quick lunges, things like that is going to make a huge difference. You know, it's, it's as I'm listening to Andy speak and reflecting on my week, I think about this challenge of working from home. There's so many amazing things to working from home and it presents us with opportunities and also challenges. One of the challenges is grazing all day. And we're, you know, when we're grazing all day, our insulin's up all day. We're sending our body like fed state signals all day. And we're sent telling our body that, hey, I'm always in build mode. And if you're looking to build muscle, that's good. You don't want to be that way for your entire 80 years of your life or more. But, you know, if you're in a growth period and you're trying to grow, okay, so maybe that's a good thing. But for the vast majority of us looking for vitality and, you know, a balanced life, we don't want to be in anabolic state all day long. And, and working from home presents that challenge. And so it's something to be very mindful of. I find, you know, if you if you can get out of the house, it's probably a good strategy to go work at a Starbucks or whatever, depending on what you do for work. Um, I always find when I'm out in public, not at like a dinner where I can get dessert and stuff, but like let's say I'm like commuting and I'm like hitting up like, you know, little markets and convenience stores, I'll either walk out with nothing or I'm always searching for some sort of one ingredient like protein whole food. It's really interesting. I find that personally with myself, I will not 
get into processed foods and I'm out on the road. So if that's you, if you're grazing like I do at home and grabbing those those grapes or smart sweets or whatever it is, um, maybe experiment with getting out of the house if you work from home job. Yeah, that's a good tip. Um, all right, last but not least, and this is and after this, we're going to get into some, so what do I do? What do I do now? Knowing all this information, what can I do? We'll get into that. And then Andy and I are going to leave you guys with sort of what we're doing for our challengers to give you guys even more clarity on how to be successful. But before we get there, one of my favorites, you're not getting interested enough. It's our, right? it's our phrase actually. Yeah. So, you know, we're not get trying to put interested. a negative spin on everything, by the way, and say, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, feel terrible at yourself. No, we're not. We're just kind of, you know. Punk, putting some punctuation around some of these things so that we can sort of bookmark them and say, wow, you know, that does sound like me and maybe I need to lean into that one. But, you know, we want you guys to get interested. If you want something bad enough, if you're looking at your challenge results and saying, man, I thought I'd be a little bit better. What can I do? One of the best things you can do is get interested. Surround yourself. So being part of an F45 community, great start. You're surrounding yourself. You're the average of the people you hang out with for that 20 or so that 3% uh, of your day you're around people that are also on this journey with you and great start connect with them outside of the gym too whether that's being on the challenge group chat or connecting with them personally so we have a challenge group chat it's a whatsapp thing if you want to be successful in the challenge you're not on there uh we're missing something there that's yeah. a strikeout so definitely be on there because people who are interested in succeeding on the challenge are supporting each other and sharing best practices on there lean into that um Listen to podcasts. So go beyond F45, right? So for our fitness listeners or even F45 listeners, listen to other podcasts. Lean in. Buy books. There's so many podcasts on health and fitness. And I mean, I know ours is pretty much the best one, but there are so many and we listen to a ton too, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we've talked about a bunch of them before, but we learn so much and some of them might be a little bit too over your head. They might feel like that at first where you're like, I don't really understand what they're talking about. Eventually you will. So don't let that deter you. And I know we all like to listen to what we're really, really interested in. If you don't, sorry, interrupting. If you don't know it, go research that term. Ask Siri. She's on your watch. Yeah. And, and the part of the reason around this is just like reading a book. You need to learn these things, learn these concepts to understand what you're doing in the gym and translate that and understand, Oh, actually that's a really good tip. There's so much that you can get out of that. And that's why we listen to them all the time. Um, even though we feel like we know so much already about training, nutrition, sleep, all those things, but there's always so much new emerging it's science. Changing. We haven't figured it all out. Yeah. So it's so interesting. Stuff stuff happens all the time when we're learning. And uh, I think that at an exponentially uh, faster rate, we are learning more and more about the body, metabolism, everything. So it's really, really interesting. Like a language, if you want to learn French, go to France. Immerse yourself in it, right? So this mm-hmm. is what we're saying. Bathe in this vernacular. Bathe in this community, this international fitness community. And you'll start seeing through law of attraction that, oh, all of a sudden, you're no longer an imposter pretending to be fit, trying to get to some goal. You are a healthy person. You are. You do prioritize. This is you. It's part of your identity, and it's a darn good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for goodness sake, if you are going to do the challenge and not attend the challenge talk, that's another big strikeout, mm-hmm. right? In we don't ju- always do talks, but when we do and you're really interested, absolutely you should come. We obviously have a couple of podcasts. We have a couple of pre-recorded ones we've done in the past on Instagram that we can always link those to you, but we are doing one for this challenge. And if you, if you are taking it seriously, you should definitely be there at least live and contributing and asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on that note, maybe it makes more sense to go there. You know, how are we, Oh, sorry. There's one more point actually, about getting interested that I think is pretty cool. And I, you know, I dare you to do it. Become a personal trainer. Go get your PT certificate. Doesn't mean you actually have to do it uh, for a living. You know what I mean? Like it's not like, oh, now you're a personal trainer. You better start, uh, you know, training clients one-on-one. We did that with acro yoga. We're like, we really want to get good. So we got certified in acro yoga. We don't really earn money or teach people lessons. Um, Occasionally we try to teach people when they're drunk at a wedding or something. (laughs) but. But, you know, man, that immersion in learning that content really accelerated us, right? So the same thing is true of, of whether it's nutrition course or uh, precision nutrition coaching or PT or CamFit. Great way to really immerse yourself in this. So as it relates to our challenge, we were meeting with the team the other day and we said, Hey, you know, how can we, how can we help people? Right? Like it's all about scale. When you have a membership of 250 members, you know, and, and then a broader community through this podcast, you know, how do you scale helping people? And so what we're going to start doing is we're going to build a video series, little snackable, 
uh, challenge tips on how to navigate the challenge based on three main goals. Number one would be weight loss. Number two would be muscle build. And number three would be body composition change. And that's really very similar to muscle build. So we'll have to see if it's different enough. But we want to give you guys something to refer back to about how to track properly, about how to, you know, what mindset to have, how to use your F45 workouts, whether, you know, it's the balance of cardio and strength, whether it's how you use those workouts over eight weeks. Yeah, as an actual prescription. We're going to give you a prescription. Good word. Getting getting in just whenever they can make it in and I understand that is better than not moving whatsoever but you have to remember what your goals are and let's say you know sorry to sidetrack here but let's say you know for instance when I prepped for a bodybuilding competition I knew that I had to be very specific about how many training days per week especially for strength and resistance compared to cardio for a little while. And then at some point it had to flip, but I had to be particular about that. And I had to hit a certain amount of days per week because I was going to get on stage in an itty bitty bikini. Now I know it's not the same thing. Uh, you know, ending a challenge doesn't seem like as it, it, some people, for some people it is, but it, it, you have to think of it this way is if it's really important to you and that end date and that end goal is coming, you need to be like, did I hit those targets this week? Am I very particular about my training program regime, all of those things. If not, you, you won't hit the mark. You're, you know, for me, it was, you're not going to look good on stage and it's going to look like you didn't try and you, you want to get at least one of those medals. Right. So that's the whole point. Yeah. And and again, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, right? But if you're sitting there distraught and, and you're saying that to yourself, that this is the most important thing to me, maybe outside of my family and that sort of thing, then that's who we're speaking to right now. And I talk about him all the time, but he was, he crushed every challenge he did. He was a winner in some shape, way, shape or form. Our member Francois, who was also coached with us for a bit, said it brilliantly. Drastic results require drastic measures. We have a body set point and in order to push ourselves to sort of a new set point, and it can go in the wrong way too, but we're talking about the good way, right? The healthier direction. It takes taking some of these interventions we're talking about very seriously, whether it's sleep for you, whether it's un- overtraining or undertraining. You know, you really have to sort out and understand kind of where you're at and where you want to go and then really lean in and take these tips seriously. And hey, look, if you, you know, coming in and do a workout here and there or like four times a week, five times a week to see your friends and working out hard, that's a darn healthy behavior, right? Is it transformative if you're not addressing some of these other things organically or purposefully? Uh, probably not, but it's keeping you healthy. It's helping you maintain and we love to have you, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, this again for like the eighth time, we're speaking to the people who are looking at their challenge results and saying, what's the next level? Yeah. How do I do better? And remember, drastic doesn't mean unhealthy drastic. Right. Because I've we've seen a few... It means drastic commitment. Exa- yes. Uh, we've seen a few examples of a slightly unhealthy approach to the challenges. Uh, you know, three classes per day um, at some point for some people. Uh, very, very bland um food that did not look enjoyable <laughs> you know it it does not have to be that way and i cannot and stress that enough sustain. love them no and but. and i'll tell you right now if people lose a drastic amount of weight that almost seems impossible in those eight weeks it's because they have done things a little bit too extreme so that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way to do it and you do want to do things with purpose and you do want to do things sustainably and you should still be able to enjoy the process so beyond the videos that Andy and I are going to create for you lovely members, um, what can you do? So step one, what are your goals? Really, what are your goals? Truly, it's okay if it's weight loss because we know that you know being drastically overweight uh, increases the rate of all-cause mortality. We're seeing that more and more. So it's okay to know and, and surface and lean in your community and say, I need to lose some weight, right? Like that, that can be a healthy goal. We're going to make that okay. It can be okay to maintain weight, right? Uh, It can be okay to have a body composition change while maintaining weight, or you want to add size for whatever sport performance or aesthetic goal you have. That's also okay to want to be muscular. Mm -hmm. So whatever that goal is, understand it, be okay with it, and then make it a smart goal, right? Specifically, what is it that we're trying to do? Uh, how are we going to measure it? Is it a body composition change? Is it a is it a combination of things like measuring the girth of our quad muscles? Uh, is it a performance goal? I mean, like measurement a, should always be taken all over for sure if yeah. you want to get a real understanding of what's going on at home when you're not on the body scanner. Absolutely. Um, you know, is it realistic? So we talked about one to two pounds per week in a weight loss scenario, and is it time based over eight weeks? Right. Um, if you know, so if you're trying to push it to the upper limit and you're dialed in and all these things we talked about today, then you're trying to get that 16 pounds and if you have a weight loss goal, awesome, cool. That's a smart goal, right? 
And also time-based, I think a really smart way to go about it is actually break the challenge up into two weeks. And they used to sort of do this and they kind of do, but to be honest, love you guys at HQ. You're, the way that they have broken it down in the past wasn't really specific enough. Uh, it didn't motivate people in a different way. Sometimes it'd be like, this week we're increasing the carbs and we're having a little bit more red meat and it's going to mean you're going to build more muscle, which it just, it's too generalized for an entire um you know, community of people that might be following the challenge meal plan. So if you're not following a challenge meal plan and you're doing your own thing, it's not really uh, that motivational. So if you can do it on your own, you're making your own smart goals, break your challenge up into two week chunks and have very specific goals and things that you are hoping to achieve. It doesn't mean that if you don't achieve that you you give up, it means reevaluate. And now what can you do in the next two weeks? But be very, very specific in those two week chunks. I love that. Great advice. All right, step number two. So once you've set your goals, understand your baseline. So what does that mean? Well, number one, Andy talked about understanding your maintenance calories. So simply put, track diligently and understand whether or not the calories you're taking in are helping you maintain a weight, gain weight, or lose weight over about two weeks, right, Andy? Or is it seven days? What would you recommend? Um, I mean, the longer you can stick to something, the better. But I'd say at the very least, track for a week perfectly. Mm-hmm. so that you get a full week of what that looks like. And if you were to go to a naturopath, they would ask you the same thing. What do you generally eat in a week? What does that look like? And then it can be really eye-opening for you and you might enjoy it and you might want to do another week. And the key is not to become the healthiest you've ever been during that week. Just be normal. Yeah, be try. as normal as you can. And obviously, I mean, it's okay to be like, wow, I'm really under protein. I'm going to try to hit it. Most people still struggle that first week, even though they can see that target and they still haven't hit it. They're like, wow, I still really can't hit it. Eventually, you start to learn how to break it down in between all of your meals but protein and maintenance calories first and foremost understand where that is number two do your blood work so especially the people who have been stuck in a stubborn position for a while go get the blood work done understand where our thyroid is understand where our hormones are are we converting a lot of our our steroid hormones into cortisol not testosterone for the people who want to build muscle quite frankly anyone male or female you need a good amount of testosterone to be motivated and uh you know have that sort of achievement mindset right um measurements we talked about that already so do you measure yeah weight weight measurements measurements through photos uh, measurements around the circumference of different parts, appendages of the body. I recommend uh, writing it down on the back of your body scan sheet because we don't do it at the studio. We don't typically have time because we have a lot of scans to do. Um, so we can't always do that. So it's best that you do it and you do it the same each time. So same place and same time of day, same, same conditions. Uh, yeah, wearing the same thing. So day you can't do it with clothes on one day and clothes off the next day at home. After always. workout one day, before workout the other. Best is to do it out of bed, right? Yeah, like it should be essentially before you've had breakfast you wake up you've gone to the bathroom and then you do your measurements and your weight measurements so you'd always you know if you can if you need a coffee before that that's fine uh, very normal but then take your measurements and your weight measurements only after that point and it should only be in the mornings I know Justin loves to weigh himself at night I'll never <laughs> understand why I do Usually, in the morning too I know but I just mean it, it, if you're this if you're the person that does this to see like how much did I like how much did the food make me gain weight this tonight or, or my workouts how I mean, sometimes he weighs like 10 pounds less from how much water he lost uh at the end of the night but it's it's certainly not going to serve you weighing yourself in the middle of the day after you've already eaten or already done a workout or at the end of the day so focus on just the weight in the morning and track that and you don't need to do it every day but at least you should be doing it each week Mm -hmm. so at the bare minimum because some people are very afraid of the scale and i find this a lot with my clients i get it i can see that it can be triggering it's a cultural thing for us too i mean we've really messed that up culturally yeah yeah absolutely and i totally understand but you can't change what you don't know and if you wait an entire eight weeks before you check again and maybe things didn't change at all that's really going to be disheartening so you need to know how it's going it's not a matter of oh i'm up a pound well i better punish myself today it has nothing to do with that you need to understand fluctuations will happen they are normal sometimes we hold on to a little bit of more water weight after a big workout Mm -hmm. the next day we might be a pound up and then the next day we'll be two pounds down like it and if you watch people or if you look online and and look at a general trajectory of weight loss it's never completely linear yeah, or all you're the way for a down line. you want to connect the dots and over time see a trend you know it's interesting you talk about sort of that you know daily fluctuation in the water weight um you know the other day i was feeling like i was having serious digestive unrest and um 
but my weight was down. But I looked, for all intents and purposes, not at my best. And I've also been way up in weight and looked dialed aesthetically. And so that just goes to show the water weight, the inflammation that you talk about, it's a real thing. When you're in that distress, like you start holding water in weird areas subcutaneously, and that's just part of the process. So it is about measuring over time and measuring consistently. Um, performance is another one we want to think about with measurements. So, you know, whether it's the F45 playoffs, whether it's a specific exercise, strength exercise you're working on, whether it's pull-ups, whether it's, you know, uh, the max Linehart points you can get or how you can perform at the same rate of perceived exertion with fewer Linehart points because your heart's getting more efficient. Uh, these are all great performance uh, measures that you guys can, uh, can lean into beyond just the aesthetics and the physical stuff. Side note, um, the next playoffs is coming up. So if you are a member at our studio, we're doing another playoffs on October 21st. It is a Friday and it will replace our Friday evening class as we did last time. And you're welcome to come and just participate or uh, just help the members that are participating and help them with the scorecards and just watch and cheer them on as well. But also a really good opportunity if you did the last one to retest, see if you've improved or if you're beginning a challenge, uh, it's a great way to, again, start this way off. And we're going to do another one again in the new year so you can see how things are changing again. So we're going to try to do them as often as we can before challenges. And last but not least, once you have set your goals and you know what your baseline is, determine your action plan. What is your plan to achieve those goals, right? How are you going to leverage F45? How are you going to meal prep? All those sorts of things. What's your recovery plan? What are your bedtime routines? And then nutritionally... You know, what are the macronutrients we're trying to hit? All those sorts of things. And by the way, like we said, Andy and myself have a goal over the next few weeks to develop for you guys some video content to help guide you through this process. So once you can say, hey, I fit into this category generally, this is sort of what my SMART goal looks like. And then you're going to have your volume knobs of turning up the degree to which you're trying to obtain. Um, you can follow one of these tracks and get more hands-on coaching from us because obviously with over 250 of you guys, it's very difficult for us to have intimate one-on-one connects with everybody all the time throughout the entire journey like we say we're with you for three percent of the day but what we are going to be doing is we are going to be active in that whatsapp chat we are going to potentially be doing some teams with our trainers if it's a scalable correct approach we've tried it in the past uh, or you're going to have one of our trainers that's going to be sort of accountable for about four to five folks that are doing a challenge so you have that direct line in Absolutely. We're very excited for this uh, next challenge. I think we've got a lot of good information to provide everyone and so does our team. So reach out to your team as well if you ever have any questions. I find that a lot of people forget that they have their trainers. I mean, these are your personal trainers, all of our, our whole team and Justin and I included. So we're reaching out on Instagram or in person after a class. Ask us questions. Yeah, and by the way, if we miss a DM, don't take it personally. Just just try again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or leave a note for us at the studio. Like this person really wants to talk to you about XYZ. All of us have our areas of expertise. I think of the gymnasts in the group. I think of the triathletes in the group. I think of the bodybuilders in the group. We've all got our stuff, right, in our areas of specialty. So you'll find that person on the team that you sort of resonate with and you can get some specific tips from them. 100%. All right, guys, that's it for now. You have a great day and we cannot wait to crush this challenge with you. What's up team? It's coach Andy here to talk about bio optimizers. They are a supplement company that I am an ambassador for. And the reason being is because I absolutely love their products. And that is why I contacted them to become an ambassador and not vice versa. So I only talk about products that I actually use myself and love. So I know you're going to love these. They have the best formulations of probiotics, digestive enzymes, magnesium, and more. So check out their website at www.bioptimizers.com. That's biooptimizers.com. Use code COACHANDY for 10% off their entire site.